Hello and welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week we travel to Israel. Yes, hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. Hello. Welcome to Second Cherry, the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance. A second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, you crazy kids, the listeners, vote for your favourites and at the live event we crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. Hello Monty. Hello Matt. We're How back are you? Again. I'm really good. I'm really good at the moment. I'm kind good. of feeling like we're in the flow of the series mm-hmm. and it's kind of like and I'm excited about this week because we're in Israel. Not yeah. actually in Israel, but we're in Israel. Um, I'm really excited because we didn't have an Israeli episode last year. We didn't, did we? No, this is our very, very first yeah. Israeli episode. So we're going to, I mean, let's jump straight in. We're um, Let's do a bit of a rundown of the national final, but maybe just let's do a little potted history, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Israel's got, I think, a really rich history at Eurovision. So they first competed in 1973. Three, and since then they've notched up four wins so they're actually quite near the top of the, the leaderboard the four wins of course are Abani B, Hallelujah, Diva and Netta's Toy which took us to Tel Aviv last year mm. well took you to Tel Aviv I wasn't able to go last year I know that's really so if I get if we can go next year it's going to be three year gap for me that's too long. It's way too long. It's way too long. But, you know, we've had some great Israeli songs to get us through these years. I mean, you. I'm looking at the list on um, Wikipedia, and there really are some absolutely cracking entries. I mean, there's some shit as well, <laughs> let's be honest. There really is some cracking entries. I mean, Afra Haza, what a great song that was. You know, um, Can by Dats in 1991. You know, the winners are all great. I mean, I, I'm i a little bit sick of Hallelujah, I have to say. I, I You know, getting in a Hallelujah circle at the end of a night is one of those things, you know, you can't get out of. It. <laughs> I think it's the Eurovision equivalent of a K-hole. <laughs> Once you're in, you're just never getting out again. I try to avoid it as best I can, but sometimes I do get sucked in against my will. <laughs> Just like a K-Hole. <laughs> but those, some of those winning songs, though, are crazy good. And I think, actually, the, the last few entries that they've had have all been a, of a really high standard. I know I know, Kobe wasn't everybody's taste, but it was one of my favourite songs that year. I just absolutely adored it. There was something uh, very endearing about it. But I think, you know, the last few songs have been selected by the same format that selected this year's um, uh, song. Hako... I know, I can't say it. Hang on. I'll say it. Hakohov Haba. Hakohov Haba. Or Rising Star, or The Next Star. That's what it stands for. It's been a format, a talent show format in Israel for a number of years now. And since 2015, it's also been used to select their Eurovision entrant. So the entrants we've had have been Nadav, Hovi, Imri, Netta, Kobe, and... It would have been this year, Edena Lena. Mm. 
what I like about this, because I feel like this is how you do this rigorous testing to get to the point where you're submitting an entry for Eurovision, right? So, Hachohav Haba is like X Factor, right? But without the trying to press, they're not trying to make a TV show over the music. This is about showcasing the artists and what they want to do. There's a little bit of that. Of course, they're making a TV show. But I think this is where they get it right. So the, the format is you've got live voting. It changes as the show goes on. But in the initial stages, you've got live voting in the studio during the performance. So you've got like this meter, like a top up meter. And it just kind of keeps going up, 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 up as people are voting for it or, or not voting for it if they don't like what they're seeing. So it's like a percentage. I think it goes to 100. And there's a panel that kind of they can talk over the song you can hear it on the microphone so they talk over the song so you know what they're saying and they their votes count for something like i think something like eight percent or ten percent it's more than what just one percent so then you kind of like it's like pushing the buzzer on americans got talent or britain's got talent that sort of show and so what you do is you get this kind of every which angle you look at it it's being judged by professional jury by televote then as you go through the series, I think carries on, carries on like that. And I feel like it just allows these artists to be who they need to be. Prime example is Netta. We all talked about Lu- uh, Netta's looper and she proper looped on that show mm-hmm. with, you know, doing t- completely mashup songs, which we didn't get a Eurovision, obviously, which is a shame, but, but it's just brilliant, brilliant. I'm a massive fan of that concept. We should be doing that in, in the UK. I think there's there's sometimes a risk of those kind of multi-artist selection shows where you whittle it down to an artist and then you give them a number of songs because the songs at the end of that, they need to match that artist. And there's a risk if you've got sort of a, a predetermined set of songs that the winning artist isn't going to match those songs and I think you know when we you compared it to some of the UK talent shows and I think you you know you go through some of those like X Factor and then you get to the end and you get such a bland song mm. from the winner but or that, you get a song which is written for the person who they think's going to win the show yeah like Leona Lewis was obviously <laughs> that X Factor year mm-hmm. they knew she was going to win she yeah. was winning every bloody week so they got a song that everybody had to sing which is basically <laughs> for her so the national final was held in the Cachette studio uh, hosted by Lucy Ayou it was a mix a complicated mix of um, voting Mm. actually there were two in studio juries of three people each and between them they were worth 10% of the vote although they give their voters two separate votes then a professional jury was worth 50% of the vote and then the televoters were worth the final 40%. So it was it was a slightly strange balance there. The show was opened by all the competitors in the national final um, talent show format. And they opened with a good old-fashioned medley of Eurovision songs. I mean, you can't go wrong with a good old-fashioned medley of Eurovision songs. And this was really nicely done, I thought. Yeah, you know, it's Israel, so you're going to... They're going to pull out their, their big hitters. But I still think there's appetite for it. You know, it's, it's for a local audience, isn't it? So there's still an appetite for it. You know, mm. there's still... When a country hosts Eurovision, it garners so much support from that country that you get, like, a spike of people interested in Eurovision. So I feel like people were really primed to have, yay, another medley of our mm. winning songs. So 
Yeah, that's what they did. They think they hit the nail on the head with their audience, really, their viewership. But one thing that Israel isn't lacking is Eurovision fans. And the passion For of sure. the Israeli fans is one of the most determined passions of any nation's Eurovision fans. You know, there is... There's a group that travel every single year. And my God, you know where the Israelis are. They are so passionate about their entry. You know, we've had the sort of the stereotype for many years of the Israeli inflatable hammers <laughs> with the Israeli flag on, getting in the screen, getting in the way. They're not so bad anymore. One person I know who I will not disclose their, their identity, but one person one year took their badge off and popped one of them so he just <laughs> deflated and didn't block their view anymore. I won't say who that is because, you know, I don't know how widely they want that story to be known. But, you know, I've got to do a little applause. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous. You don't need massive inflatables. Absolutely, no. absolutely. <clears throat> now, one thing about the final as well is once the songs have been sung, we had a really lovely um, interval act. So we had Kobe, who was the entrant in 2019. Now, Kobe is a singer, but he's also a stand-up comedian. So he did a kind of little routine that was stand-up, which obviously we can't understand because we don't speak Hebrew. But he peppered it with um, versions of his song. And I say versions because if you've ever listened to um, I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue on Radio 4, The Antidote to Power Games, they do these really silly tasks for the panellists, one of which is one tune to the no, one song to the tune of another where you have to sing the lyrics to one song but to the tune of a different song and you get some really bizarre combinations I think one of my favourite was them singing The Smith's Girlfriend in a Coma to the tune of Tiptoe Through the Tulips <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant Girlfriend in a Coma I know, I know it's really serious so imagine that format Kobe took his song and sang the lyrics to the tune of several different Eurovision songs, including Hallelujah, Diva and Toy. If you can find this on YouTube, it really is worth having a look at. We'll put a link in the show notes because there's the at the time of writing and recording, it's at the live show in full with some oh, yes. YouTube. Let's put a link in because do watch it. We'll highlight reasons why as we go through. For that reason, there's been there's so much gold in this show. You've yeah, got to watch it. And another part of the interval act was the Shalva band, who were part of the interval act in semi final two in Tel Aviv. It's the band where all the mem- uh, members are living with some form of disability, and they were just so endearing in Eurovision. And they sing a cover version of Netta's Toy, which is also an absolute joy to watch. So beautiful. Yeah, do make sure you watch this. So, of the four songs that Aidan Alena got to sing, the winning song that would have gone to Rotterdam was Fekele B. Let's have a little listen to it. I like this. I, I at the time, to- maybe I'm still torn, but at the time, I thought another song from the selection should have gone. So, as much as I like this, I thought, ah, I don't know, maybe this was the second or third best song. 
I've changed my mind. I think they have made the right choice, actually. I do think this is a great song. It kind of encompasses all the, all the other songs that this encompasses it. I, one of my favourite songs of the year from the Eurovision selection, from the 2020 mm. songs, one of my favourite, actually. What do you think? I adore it. I mean, I think this would have been so much fun at Eurovision. Let's hold our thoughts on her as an artist until we discuss the other songs. But this song was just... It knocked it out of the park for me. I think it would have been really interesting to see where it ended up at Eurovision. But it almost didn't matter where it ended up because it was going to be fun and this was going to be a song that we really, really enjoyed throughout the entire week. Yeah, got, you know, I think it's a, it's a great entry and, um, well, it's a bit of a shame we didn't get to see how it was going to be staged. Yes, indeed. But let's hold that thought there and let's have a listen to the other songs that made up the national final. So the first song we've got for you is Saviour in the Sound. Monty, thoughts, please. So this was sung uh, as a duet with one of the songwriters who's called Talia Londoner. Um, and I don't know if Talia really added to the song by being on stage with Edane. There is something about Edane as an artist which is so endearing. She is probably the best vocalist that best female vocalist ever 2020 picks. Certainly up there. Yeah, for sure. Um, she's got an absolutely cracking voice and she is so likeable and watchable on stage that I think adding somebody else to sing with her who is not as engaging and not as good a vocalist, still very good, but not not quite on the level that a day is. I think it detracted from it a little bit. I mean, I really like the song, don't get me wrong. It's the slowest of the three that we're going to uh, hear tonight. But it's kind of like, it's a ballad, but it builds to a bit more of a beat. Um, it's still very, you know, very impressive song. But I just got the feeling that it didn't need the addition of the, the other singer. Mm, I, I, thought, I thought about this a lot, because I was thinking, why would you do that? You know, because Talia is, yes, she's the backing vocalist, she's the dancer and also a songwriter. And that, that was her whole role, that mm-hmm. whole thing, right? All encompassing. If you've only got one other voice that is harmonising, then I can see why they did what they did on stage, the way she interacted. But then it could just be part of the recording. Why not just have that off stage mm-hmm. like you often get in these performances? So yeah, I'm kind of with you with that. I don't know whether it was a case of, you can have my song, but I have to be part of it on stage. I don't, I don't know, but um, I, but I actually quite like Talia because when you look at the these do little VTs at the start of the performances of a discussion with um, Eden and and songwriters and mm. everything, 
And I don't know what they were saying, but I think they're sort of like breaking down of how the song came about and then how she interacted with it. But what was Talia at one point says when, you know, my dad always taught me something, you know, when you go out on stage, just take a deep breath and say, go show the fuckers. And <laughs> so I was like, oh, because you know, in our British ears, not used to hearing swearing on like a national TV mm-hmm. channel. So she's like, go show the fuckers. And then Lucy Ayub, the presenter, then mm-hmm. repeated it and said, go show the fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really weird to say it. Um, swearing is interesting, though. And uh, I mean, Stuart, one of our listeners, will be happy that we've said the F word again because he was calling for a bit more swearing. This, uh, this we can't have happy, happy <laughs> listeners if we swear too much, we swear too little. But it's interesting because you've got, you know, swearing, using English swear words in a show that isn't in English, yeah. but where the, a lot of people in the country understand English. The swear words don't have quite the same impact as they do in the English language to a native speaker. So remember, um, I mean, you know, the F word in Sweden Everybody banders it around. It's, you know, even kids. Yeah. Um, it's, it's ironic it's, in it's, a way. Yeah, yeah, but it's also not seen as, like, you know, particularly strong words. And even in Melody Festival a few years ago, they, you know, they, there was a lot of effing and blinding yeah. going on from the presenters and also yeah. in some of the songs as well. But Robin so, Benson, his song. Yeah. He, he swore. He said the F word. Yeah. As did... Um, Lisa Ajax. Yes, that's her name. I don't I'm give to... a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But they obviously had to change it for Eurovision. Yes, yeah. But uh, yeah, so but but back to Savior the Sound though. I think whilst it is the weakest song of the bunch, it's still a bloody good song that in any other national final would be a good song. Really, really good. And this is the weakest of the lot, in my in my opinion. There's some excellent high notes here, right, in this song. But it's not like oh look, she's done the high note just to show off. It wasn't overused or oversang, mm. it was appropriate then she ducked out of it where she needed to and then got on the song you know this is this is really solid performance wasn't a huge amount going on stage apart from you know talia but i just don't think it needed it i think it was apart from that little duo situation i think they staged it pretty as it should have been staged good song i, I really liked it it is a good song and then, actually when you mention her voice there i think you're right it's not sort of showing off the capabilities of her voice just for the sake of it, it is actually integral to a song. There is something about this voice. I mean, you feel that she could take this voice and lift any song, really. And I I wonder if there's, you know, there's an element of that in the final. It was the strength of her of her vocal performance and her presentation on stage and how engaging she is that lifted all of these songs although they're all good songs I agree with you you should um, we'll put a link in the show notes to her performance on X Factor which she did way back when she's a little bit more diamond in the rough you know because she's quite scared I think or at least she portrays that in X Factor but um, she sings Demi Lovato's Stone Cold which for anyone who knows that song is incredible it's beautiful and really difficult song to sing for anyone um, and she nails it and because uh, she won X Factor as well of course so l- listen to that and you'll see that shows off her vocal capabilities even though she was really scared at the time she could you're right she could sing anything literally anything so let's move on to the second song and uh, in performance order this was Roots no I'm not a preacher I'm not here to teach you but you should know 
I absolutely adore this song. Not just because it's a romp, you know, it's fun, there's dancing, it's the vocal and all, all blah, 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 all the usual shit, right? But, I mean, it's called Roots, so clearly it's about her roots. It, it's, it's, the, it's the way in which, it's the way in which it's portrayed. So, so what it is, it's about identity, it's about being proud of who you are and where you come from, right? But it's not done in this angry or aggressive way, which is fine, by the way. I'm okay with that if you are going to be angry and aggressive about who you are, especially if you are a minority in the country. But it's just really joyous and celebratory. And this is who I am and I'm going to wear it, you know, heart on my sleeve. And and I really like that sort of turn in that direction. It just makes me want, this song makes me just want to party with her. And it is one of my favourite, not the, but one of my favourite songs of the national final for sure. This does what the next song we're going to talk about doesn't do. But I think this is really, really special. Really love this song. I mean, I agree. I really, really like this. I think of the three songs, this probably um, feels like the most contemporary. Um, it has a lot of different influences on the sound, I think. Um, and bringing it together in a really, really good performance with four dancers on stage and another singer off who comes in at the breaks. Not rapping, but I can't quite put my finger on. They, there'll be a term for the kind of style that it's she's It's that afflicted voice that's been the pitched up. That... That bit. Just like that, Just like that. Well, sign me up. Um, <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. But actually, that's the part of the song that I actually think they got wrong in terms of obviously it's a it's a part of the song there's nothing wrong with it mm-hmm. but then how you would then do that on stage is tricky because as we know at eurovision recorded vocals with an affected vo- you know effect on their voice can be difficult mm-hmm. to do so how are they going to do that at eurovision i'm not so sure how they did it in the national final i think was very clunky didn't quite work just that mm-hmm. section of it yeah it does it's a little jarring if you're not expecting it, but for me, that's one of the things that gives this song its edge. Yeah. Um, so I really, really like this. So, one more song to go, and that is Rakata Rakata. So Rakata, this song is, for me, this is just a joyous pop song. It's that kind of, um, it's that kind of, it's Middle Eastern pop that I absolutely adore. And this is the kind of thing that doesn't have enough of a platform in somewhere like the UK. So I love it when this kind of sound comes into Eurovision and national finals because that's probably the place I'm most likely to hear it. So this reminds me of going to Club Flower Hopper, which was in London almost 20 years ago now, um, and succeeded by a string of clubs with, with similar uh, sounding nights, all playing that kind of Mediterranean, Arabic, Middle Eastern pop vibe for a queer crowd. And it was so refreshing to go to some place like that and feel the energy 
that people were bringing to that venue as opposed to the far more sterile gay clubs that were playing your typical house music or the Bustle Marys with their tops on. This was truly diverse and it's just an absolute joy to get to listen to a pop song like this. It's got that... I don't know the word of it, but every sort of culture around that region has this kind of instrument, this wind instrument. Um, I think it's a dudek in Armenian. I don't know what it's called in other um, in other languages in other countries, but it's got that kind of very typically Middle Eastern sound running through it. And the presentation of this on stage was fun. It had elements of the dance moves that Nadab brought to Golden Boy, and it just was so... Israeli on stage. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, I think I know the the, the instrument you're talking about there. But it, it, so look, Rakta, this is fun. This is fun. There's not a dull moment on stage. She's got a full complement of backing dancers. Therefore, it's full on choreo. And let's talk about her for a minute because I think this is where you see her at her finest because she's singing, she's dancing, she does not sound out of breath at all. From the start of the national final to the end of this national final, she did not hit a bum note or a slightly off note. She nailed absolutely everything. That in itself is astonishing to me. As we said, she can sing anything. But the song, I feel like, is quite empowering. So this sort of fuck you, I'm me lyrics, um, I'm I'm really on board with. I just feel like, yeah, when those drums go racketar, you better run, boys, because she's got real attitude about it. And I quite like that because she's quite sweet and lovely and she's really likeable, really adorable. And this is where she was showing, where in Saving the Sound, she was kind of a bit more sweet and vulnerable and, you know, I'm going to kind of sort myself out. I'm in a bad way. Racketar is, no, boys, here I am. This is what I'm about. Take it or leave it. I don't really care. Um, I really love that sort of attitude. Um, and what she was wearing was just sparkle head to toe and shout out to the sparkle because you know how I love my Eurovision 2 sparkle (laughs) (laughs) fabulous so only three songs to talk about this week there's nothing more in the national final so that's your lot which one of those will get the second cherry nod well you'll find out soon Yes, so what we'll do is we're going to jump into our next segment, which you know by now, and it's this. Matt and Monty's Good Thing of the Week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, of course, Matt and Monty's Good Thing of the Week, that is good, with the most ridiculous jingle ever, is our uh, segment which is spreading positivity to combat some of the bullshit we see and read online, and yeah, just... Done with knobheads, really being knobheads. So, <laughs> so we want we, so we want to talk about good things. Um, and and this yeah, week, my knobhead threshold has dropped significantly. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Is it an age thing? As you get or older, is it risen? Do I raise my threshold or do I drop it? Wait, your threshold has dropped. Right? No, my tolerance for knobheadery has. I don't know. I need a spreadsheet to tell me. How I feel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm not suffering knobheads gladly. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So this week, we there was a bit of news recently, which piqued our interest because it's very much what we're interested in. And that is the news of the return of a French national final next year in 2021. Whoop, whoop. Yay. 
Now, we like this, obviously, because we're second cherry and we have a, a, a dwindling amount of national finals that we're going to be talking about next series, next year. So um, we, we're glad that we've got one added to the list, at least. Now, we think this is great because we've said on this podcast before how much we loved Destination Eurovision and how we're a bit disappointed why it was taken away because we actually thought it was pretty damn good, right? We, yeah. Absolutely. And we, you know, I don't think that what we were given in its place was that brilliant. It was, you know, Tom Lieb. I mean, he had lovely comely buttocks in a picture I saw, but comely buttocks do not a national final make. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was, it was like walking into McDonald's and saying, can I swap my Big Mac meal for the crappiest Happy Meal toy that you've got. That's why I want just the toy face. I'll just have the vegetarian version, obviously. Well, yeah. But I know what you mean. Yeah. There is, yeah, Destination Eurovision was really building, I thought, to be a really nice national final. Bringing in a really diverse range of songs, bringing in some contemporary songs, and bringing in some really interesting performers. And so I was really disappointed, just like you, when it was drop this year now we need to see what's gonna be with next year but i don't care i'm excited about it you know getting well, a french national final again yay i feel like there's something in this because this is what we know so far and we have to sort of caveat is this is at the time of recording what we know so far it is a france television production studios it's one show National final, one shot national final in a large venue. Now I say large venue because the the they said a large hall. I don't know whether that means a studio, or whether they're going to go in an actual uh, concert hall. Mm. Hopefully that's what they do, and not in Paris. It looks mm. like it's going to be somewhere a travelling thing. Maybe if it's a if it kicks off like Melody Festival Island does, it'll be travel around. Like that. Peripatetic. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Did you learn that from another podcast? No, I've learned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, the, and it's going to be a televote and jury. That's all we know. Um, and the song submissions are open now. That's that's it. That's all That's all the news we have. But um, yes, we're excited oh my for God, us. Should we get a chanson? <laughs> well, yes, actually, we should. Because I'm writing a song. Also, oh. also, you've just given me an idea. We should go to this next year. We should go to whatever we bloody well can next year. I know. You know, I mean, who knows if we're going to be able to go to anything, never mind Eurovision. Well, that's true, yeah. You know, take your chances where you can get them. Yeah. I do. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get your, um, what is it, when the, when the sun shines, make hay or... Make hay when the sun shines. Make hay when the sun shines. Yeah, so, yeah. but you know, that's our... That's take our... an antihistamine though, just in case you've got a hay fever. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Look, you know, so we're really happy that that's back in whatever way, however it's presented, a national final in France. Thank you, please. Very happy. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So there you go. Our good thing of the week, that is good. It just leaves us to announce which of the three songs... From Israel is going to get selected as the second cherry. Well, I mean, this was actually a really hard decision because I think one, we could rule out, and I think that was pretty obvious when we were talking about it, but the other two, Roots and Arakata, 
it was so close between yeah. these. And I think, you know, when we discussed this as a team, that closest came out and the, the pros and cons of each song came out as well. I think the reason why that is, actually, just to jump in there, is that they're similar songs in the sense that their theme is the same. You know, Rakata, the beat of your own drum, Roots, where am. you're from, who I am. And so they but they did it in very different ways. So it's I feel like the difference between the two songs is minor in terms of the authenticity and what it's what it's saying absolutely and i think this really could have gone either way but we had to pick one and the one that's been chosen is rakata when those drums go rakata indeed this is going to sound good if we have a live event fingers crossed this is going to sound great over the mm. sea of people probably not going to be a sea of people but oh, this is going to be great in the hall it's going to yeah. go big in the hall more like a small reservoir because <laughs> it's going to go big in the living room at least <laughs> <laughs> and in Zoom <laughs> yeah. if we have to do it that way yeah Rakata are second cherry for Israel So that leaves us to say goodbye. But before we do, contact us, please. I want all of your words in my face. And that is, if you want to contact us, uh, Monty's giving me a whirlwind look. Um, Twitter, if you're on the tweets, you can tweet us at Second Cherry. Instagram, Second underscore Cherry. Facebook, Second Cherry Podcast. And you can email us at... Hello! At secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision. Now, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do next week because we don't know. No, we don't. But, um, but we uh, will have an episode next week. And so we will see you then. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We'll see you then. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.